Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Hey, here we go. It's Money Talk for Saturday, April 28th. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald, good morning. Good morning. Dave Spano, good morning. Six days a week, pal. I like it <laughs> no, now. I gonna, didn't I just see you guys? Yeah. yeah, I used to see you one day a week, but now I am part of the Annex Wealth Management staff. Finished week number two. Have enjoyed it a lot. Am learning a lot. I guess I, I do want to ask you first off. Let's do a Dave uh, Dave Spano movie review. Uh, you saw Infinity Wars last night. How yeah. was it? Yeah, I took uh, took a group full of children, twelve uh, year olds, to the movie last night, and uh, you know it's it's all the stars are in it. If you know those yeah, people who right. watch that those movies, but you have to know who everybody is and have have watched some of those movies to understand all the players but um you know josh brolin is the bad guy and at the end of the movie it is un an unbelievable finish and a whole 12 group of 12 year olds are like i can't believe that just happened so <laughs> i can't give it away but, but recommend amazing. recommend right yeah but yeah but yeah. I, like there were some people some of the parents who came they didn't understand who the players were right you know, so you got to kind of understand that'd that, be so. beyond me <laughs> i mean it's, it's a great action yeah. movie okay for, we also kind of promised that we talk a little bit about are you guys liking the draft so far well, I'm draft eligible, so if I'm not here next Saturday, <laughs> yeah. that was because I got a call from 1265 with Marty Ave. We, so. we got many many rounds, so good. We're, good, good. I, I'm confused by it, but it's it's interesting to watch. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. And yeah. then you know, they obviously, they need help on the defensive side. And so it takes a lot of work, man. Sure, sure. Can you imagine that? Okay, the week that was, guys, it was Game Seven, pal. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, we forgot about that. Jump. I'm sorry. going to click all these things off. That's right, Game Seven. We got a big deal. You were in Game Six, so thanks for whatever you did for the win. I just I just cheered, but. Game in game five or game four, yeah, for game four was good too, of course. And but you know, Aaron and uh, and his girlfriend were kept standing up and getting in my way. It was a, kind of a problem. It's such a problem, you know. Such but a uh, you know, game seven, it is going to be amazing. It's going to be a, a great experience for fans, and uh, the place was filled to the rafters uh, last night. Well, and, so. and it, it's got to it's got to give us a lot of. Um, it's got to really do a lot for the city, right? We've got a beautiful arena that's going in. We've got huge redevelopment that's happening in, in the Milwaukee area, in the downtown area. And it's just winning brings winning. It's yeah, just, it's sure. really good. And, and uh, speaking of downtown, I know that we're getting closer to yeah. our downtown location. So there's, yeah. you know, there's billions of dollars of real, real estate being built in downtown Milwaukee, you know, including the stadium and the entertainment district and everything around that. You know, obviously the NM building is up, uh, the couture is going up, and we are going to have an office where we're about 30 days out from that nice. uh, okay. in the Fister Hotel on the first floor. We're excited to be there. Uh, and for a lot of our clients who are downtown, working downtown, you know, sometimes it's difficult to go home and, you know, go to our Mequon office or Elm Grove or Delafield offices in, when you're in the city. And so they can do that during the day, maybe grab a lunch or a breakfast, and it's going to uh, – we're excited to get that open. When Mark's working really hard on the operational side to get the, the building open. It's going to be beautiful. I mean, the floor plan is is designed for clients. You know, it's technology-laden. Uh, the experience is going to be great, but uh, the Fister is such a great location to begin with, and then we've kind of fit our our footprint inside the first floor, right along Wisconsin Avenue there. But 
the technology is going to be good. Of course, we've got a, a Cracker Jack staff down there. Um, great, great people, and uh, you know, we, we welcome people at all of our locations. And then, of course, Annex Everywhere is the other thing, Dave. Yeah, Annex Everywhere is our opportunity to, you know, a lot of times not only downtown but around the state in northern Illinois, uh, you know, people want to work with us, and they're like, well, I don't have time to get to that office. Well, we've now developed this Annex Everywhere where it's an opportunity for us to connect online, and we can share some documents, confidential documents back and forth. We can go have go-to meetings and Skype, and we can interact that as if we are in the room together. In fact, we had a meeting uh, this week, and the, one of the sisters was in Chicago. One of the uh, the his uh, the brother was in the northern Wisconsin, and so we did all of these things. We got everyone connected, and we had a great meeting. We shared some documents, and it's a really nice way to do that because it gets everybody in the room, and they don't have to travel. And so it's it's pretty cool. Well, and we're doing this show on WTMJ, which has <clears throat> really an enormous signal. So if you can hear us, we can we can mm-hmm. help you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the other thing, of course, guys, is of, of bringing the team members in, you know, the right. ability to bring in, you know, the tax planner and the estate planner and the central planning group into those meetings. I mean, the technology is such, again, that we can split screen so we could have a CPA or an estate planning attorney in the conversation, even though somebody's in Woodruff and the other guy's in northern Illinois or whatever it right. might be. The technology is fantastic. And we're going to introduce some of the team uh, today, Dan. We have Mandy on next. But, you know, the, it was an interesting week in the market, you know, 3% on the 10-year Treasury, and uh, it caused a little consternation in the, in the security side. Well, it sure did, and it seemed to affect Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then all of a sudden Thursday was this brand-new day, right. uh, um, and I just – it, it was so interesting, and then really that 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 tenure was just a hair under three percent anyway, but right. it didn't seem to affect and, things. And we'll and, talk about that later in the show because yeah. it is certainly uh, there's certain more parts of the market that are reacting differently. Okay, what happens when you don't pay taxes? Imagine that. Well, it happens. People do that. Um, that segment is coming up. Uh, that's with Mandy, our tax planner. Also, digital assets. I mean, think about it. If you've got things like uh, frequent flyer miles, or if you've got photos stored, or if you've got web content that you've built, all sorts of digital assets. How do you handle that? Uh, Deanne Phillips has a very, very interesting take on that. Also, Ask Annex. That's coming up. We want to be super available to answer your questions. Ask Annex is on the way. It's all between now and 11 o'clock. Money Talk on WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Mandy Nowashinsky, Tax Planner, Annex Wealth Management. That's quite a title you have. Yes, I get to deal with taxes and help people plan. Taxes, and then let's put another spooky word in, IRS. That scares people, both those words. They do, and they go hand in hand. A lot of people you know, dread dealing with the IRS or getting a letter in the mail, and I, you know, I call them love letters from the IRS because nobody wants them. They get them, and they, you know, they get a little skittish. We're going to go to the scariest place, which is what happens when you don't pay your taxes. Now, first off, we just got through tax season. Yes. Not paying your taxes is not an extension. Explain what an extension is. Sure. So you have until April 15th to file your taxes. Um, a lot of people may not get their information together in time. We're waiting on another piece of information from a business or an investment that just doesn't come before that deadline. So you do have the option to extend. Is there a penalty when somebody files an extension? An extension to file is not an extension to pay. So if you're extending because you don't have a missing piece of information, you still have to pay your taxes. 
by April 15th. Yes, you have time to kind of put the finishing touches on your tax return until October of that year, but you still have to pay the tax by April 15th. What happens when somebody misses the deadline by a week? You didn't file, you didn't file for an extension. So that's when you have a failure to file penalty. So that penalty accrues on a monthly basis. So whether you missed it by a day, a week, three weeks kind of gets you for that whole month and what a failure to file penalty is it's a five percent penalty per month that you miss filing somebody didn't file for the previous year how long do they have to make good on that so you always have to file your tax return but the penalty caps at 25 percent so you can see how many months it would take but if you're you know five years back on taxes the most that'll hit you is 25 percent penalty Mandy Nowashinsky is tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. You're part of the very deep bench here at Annex. Okay, what if somebody was going to get a refund and they didn't file? Now, isn't that a better situation for the government? Shouldn't that be kind of a wash? It's like, listen, I was going to get money from you, but let's just call it even. Right. So you've got a little bit more cushion there because you've already paid your money in. So you're kind of already good and you've kind of just missed this administrative burden on yourself of filing a tax return. Where that failure to file comes in and the failure to pay penalty comes in, there's two penalties is when you don't have a payment in. And that's that's really the scary part when you're dealing with the IRS is when you owe them money. Now, when they already have your money, they're a little more gracious and kind of helping you file your taxes. They're like the rest of us. Right. Right. So which is worse, failing to file or failing to to pay. Failing to file because that penalty is 5%. Now let's say you filed your extension and it's valid so you've got a little more time to file your taxes get things in order but you didn't maybe have the money to necessarily pay at that time. So you have a valid extension which means no failure to file penalty but you have a failure to pay which is 0.5% per month. We're going up the scale on scary okay. What happens in cases where somebody hasn't paid for years like I read that celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain he didn't file or pay taxes for 10 years. So that's when you get a good tax attorney and a good tax accountant involved and you come true, you clean up with the IRS and you call them, you, you set up a payment plan, so you kind of work out a deal with them. Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. What is it like to deal with the IRS? Do you do, you do that much? I do, and <laughs> the fun part is waiting on hold. For anybody who's ever tried to call the IRS, even as a tax professional, I still have to wait on hold for maybe an hour or two before I actually get to talk to a person. So you would always start with a phone call. There's not a local office you go to? Not when you get a letter. So a lot of this, a lot of what people deal with is they get a letter from the IRS. They can usually draft a response to to that letter or give the IRS a call to hopefully resolve that letter because the IRS doesn't call you. Okay. They'll always send you a letter in the mail if they have a question about something or there's a discrepancy that they want to try to reconcile. That letter is what a lot of people get and then they go, oh my goodness. Yeah. The IRS. I'm on their radar. <laughs> I don't know if they're even saying, oh, my goodness. I think it's probably <laughs> something else. A couple of years ago, the IRS had gone through some cutbacks. They were understaffed. Mm -hmm. Where are they now? Still understaffed. Okay. So when you call, that's just kind of like calling a call center. Mm -hmm. uh, my trick is always to call first thing in the morning because that way, hopefully, I don't have to wait on hold as long. Very nice. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner, Annex Wealth Management. What happens when you don't pay your taxes? Just do it, right? <laughs> yes. 
Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk on the air, Saturday, April 28th. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Dave Spano as well. And boy, there's a lot to talk about. Earnings season rolls on. What are you guys seeing? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, earnings uh, season, we're right in the middle of it. We've talked about this now for several months, and the earnings that we're seeing are as expected. We have an earnings season that the growth of the and the income of the companies can be up as much as 17 18%. That's what the projected number is. We could see 20%, which is really unbelievable because, as you recall, Danny, we talked a lot about an earnings recession. And what that is is earnings went down quarter over quarter, and that went on for a number of years. And so that turned around basically in 2017, and now things are just really heating up right now. We have companies that are reporting great earnings, and, and so we expect that in this quarter and next quarter. Why is the market not reacting? I right. think that was your question earlier on. It's a possibility that we borrowed some of the gains that we expected to see now last year. You know, for example, some of the Nasdaq stocks, in fact, Nasdaq together was up around 30% last year. So maybe people were trading the stocks up ahead of the potential earnings. Is that what you mean by when I hear baked in? Yeah, baked, baked in. in. That's, yeah. that's really okay. what people are talking about. You know, the other thing, Dave, is, is these companies now, they release their guidance. What's going to happen over the next year? What do they expect? Look at a company like Caterpillar that had great earnings, you know, announced good top-line revenue, good earnings. But in their commentary, they said this might be the high water mark. Yeah, they did, and, and that that was concerning. And that was one of the reasons why the market went down. Is they said if this is good as it gets, right. and I know here into Caterpillar's down fifteen percent, three M another industrials down twenty three percent, and that is where that's the reason why when we talked about sectors, that is the reason why. Of course, there are sectors that are doing great, like technology, but you've got Caterpillar and three M and industrials that are down. Listen to this, General Electric is over the last year is down 50%. Now, you go, what? Think about this for a second. The amount of money that has been lost in GE share price is greater than Enron, Lehman, and Bear Stearns added together. So that is a massive downturn, and, of course, that is a Dow Jones stock. So you have parts of the sectors that are doing really well, and you have some that are not. We think that the FANG stocks, for example, you know they they've been under challenge because of of what we saw, but then Amazon comes out with an unbelievable holy cow, card. right, right, and and what I heard in the hallways this past week is that they've now finally they they've got earnings and they've got they're they're they've well, got profitable. real numbers, right? right? Yeah. It's, right. There's not Be- pouring money in; they're right. taking money. In. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's what Amazon did for yeah. years. They're like, well, yeah, it's a great company yeah. and it's growing, but they weren't showing a profit. Well, what they were doing is they were investing it back in their companies and facilities and technology and the like, and so it wasn't showing a net income. Well, you know, they expected something like a dollar fifty, and they reported three dollars per share. It blew everything out of the water. It, there was an interesting part part of the earnings report. They said they're going to uh, uh, raise the prime to from ninety nine dollars to one hundred and nineteen. Yes, Did you see that? Yes, and and they it, it, this is the week after that they announced that they had topped one hundred million, million of right. us at twenty bucks a person. Up. Right. Yes. Not bad. Yeah, not, right. <laughs> the other thing, Dave, that happened this week that we saw was the 10-year Treasury going past 3%. So you had earnings going on, but you had that going on as well. How much did that impact the market Well, this there's week? no question it did because of the fact that people look at it, and they first first of all, when interest rates rise, bond prices go down. So that has that is an issue. So you, you have that happening. But the other thing that happens generally in the long term, when interest rates rise, people go, where can I invest my money? And they can say, I'm going to put it in a bank or a long-term bond and get three or four percent, right. and then I'm going to take it out of the equity mar- out of the equity piece. 
Well, that hasn't been the case because we talked a lot about Tina. There is no alternative. And the reason why is because people could invest in a basket of S&P stocks and get a 2.5% return, and that was at or above what you could get in a long-term treasury or a bank. Well, that's that mantra is starting to change. Right and you're now. just talking about the dividend yield on the S&P 500. So if the S&P 500 is paying 2 or 2.5%, those dividend payers, those stocks, those consistent dividend payers, those are more attractive than the bonds. But now you've got the two years and the five years and the ten years that are between 250 and 3%, somewhere in that neighborhood, and there is an alternative. Yeah, and, so, and, that, that, and then you look at the borrowing costs for companies and for consumers exactly to right. go out and get, you know, continue to expand the economy. It becomes harder and harder to do. But the, did the number ever stick above 3%? For the one, ten for one day, it was yeah, three for, three. for one day, yeah. okay. Yeah. But now it's barely below three percent. But again, things chug on. Yeah, and, and they do. And I think that's really it's trying to digest the news when something is new. It digested and then said, you know, where do we go from here? And I think what people have to understand: last year the volatility was not there. We talked a lot about expect it to return. It ha it has and it has come back with a vengeance. And so we think that the volatility is gonna going to continue particularly as we head into the summer, you know, sell in May and go away. Here we are just a few days from May. That is going to be a concern. And so if volatility is going to, is going to come back and it's going to, there is going to be that. And we think that people have to have a long-term plan because if you're going to get uh, moved out of the market because of the volatility, you may get yourself away from your long-term plan. I think that's coming back and people have to understand that. Speaking of long-term plan, one of the things we uh, recommend is get that free portfolio analysis. That is step number one. Listen, it opens the door with Annex Wealth Management, and uh, it really does a lot. And now, having been at Annex Wealth Management for a couple of weeks now, I see the people coming in. I see the presentations, and it's it's really, really neat. So that is the first thing. But it's about the plan, right, Mark? You bet. Yeah. And, and it would be interesting to see. Because your perspective of what you thought it was going to be like versus what it is like, I think that that's true of our clients as well. Yep. So at some point in time, we'll talk about your experience and, and how it differed from what your perception God, might have I'd been. I'd love to. 30 minutes left in the show. We've got a lot to go. It's Money Talk Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, WTMJ, Saturday, April 28th. My name is Danny Clayton. A recent poll of financial planners asked, which of the following best describes your engagement with digital asset estate planning? Listen to this. 3% answered a lot. So they work with the clients to develop a plan. 42% answered a little. I've discussed digital asset planning with my clients, but haven't integrated it. 55% said, not at all, I don't know enough. Deanne Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, joins me. Good morning, Deanne. Good morning, Danny. What the heck is a digital asset? <laughs> well, it's an electronic asset that is only accessible through an electronic device. So that would be content that's uploadable from a website or perhaps photos that you've taken and put on your phone. Oh, very interesting. So Instagram, stuff like that? Instagram, okay. Facebook, sure. So if somebody passed, how do people get at those assets? Because there's there's a value to them. It might be an emotional value, but there's a value. It, it might be emotion. You know, when, when it is something like that, we call it, this is a digital asset. We call it a passion asset. Sure. Uh, because some people chronicle their life on, let's say, Facebook, right? I 
and I'm sure people my age too know people who've passed away and their surviving spouse doesn't know how to get their their bio, their information off of Facebook and Deanna, to close it. Deanna, I am still connected to four people that are have died on LinkedIn. I think yeah. a couple on Facebook as well. You're, you're absolutely right. That is very true. Uh, well, once a person passes away, Facebook and other services, they actually do have mechanisms to shut down accounts. And um, when the accounts are deleted, the family memories in the form of pictures and videos and writings can be lost forever. So that does become a problem. It's important to have a trustworthy and technically competent, therein lies the, the truth there, digital executor. So i.e. millennial, right? A digital executor. <laughs> a digital okay, executor. Sure. So they have that information to access the computers and other devices to get email and other online accounts. Now at Annex, we actually have, for our clients, uh, a writable PDF where they can put down all of their information, such as their passwords and their accesses and where their accounts are. Almost a wallet, kind of. It's right? like a wallet, because you don't want to put that stuff in your will. You, know, you have this digital executor, but wills are public so you don't necessarily want to put your passwords and mm -hmm. you know your locations in there I've got files stored on a Google Drive I've got some on a Dropbox I've got some on, on sure. a box that's what they call the cloud and so those passwords you'd need that stuff. you would definitely need that and you know taking it one step further a lot of times in a couple in a house one spouse will take care of ordinary budgeting and a lot of that is electronic also so the other spouse needs to know <laughs> you know how to get into the bank account online sure. how to you know what's actually being transferred out now those are digital true digital monetary assets use the word passion assets mm -hmm. now, Passion assets actually be physical things. Are those those mom stuff, dad stuff? Absolutely. So it's stuff that does not pass by a beneficiary designation usually, but it can have actually monetary value. Think about a large wine collection, mm -hmm. right, of a wine connoisseur. Uh, classic cars. Did you know, Danny, classic cars in the decade of 2004 to 14 rose 399%. But there's a lot of caveats to that. If you're going to invest in a passion asset such as whiskey, wine, rare coins, first edition books, there's insurance complications, and there also is risk to those because you know there's no guarantee of returns there's no guarantee of a market potential misjudged valuations etc and besides we all know it'd be nice to have art but most of us don't have a Picasso just hanging around mm -hmm. and we can't pay the bill with <laughs> by selling a part of a painting right dogs playing poker doesn't count that doesn't that, count okay all right you've got a, a seminar coming up I do so we are having a passion asset seminar to talk about how we best pass those objects that are more sentimental and near and dear to our heart grandma's pie plate mm. you know the things that you have that have stories around them and so we're going to give some sound advice on figuring out and calling it because Danny if you're like me and some of our listeners out there I've inherited from so many aunts and my parents and all that and I attach these memories to those and sometimes letting go can be very hard so we've developed a, a workshop around that and we're gonna make it fun we're gonna do a wine tasting along with it <laughs> that it's happening as part of our women wine and wealth group here at annex and anybody can get involved by uh, calling up our annex line uh, during business hours and just saying you'd like to be a part of the group it's complimentary and there bring a friend and when's that happen that is happening May 17th in the evening nice so a couple of weeks away right Deanne Phillips director of client learning and development annex wealth management 
Clegg, thank you for joining Money Talk. Thanks for having me. It's Money Talk, Saturday, April 28th. My name is Danny Clayton, the guys from Annex Wealth Management, always riding along. Good morning, Dave Spano. Nice to see you again. Uh, Mark Oswald, here we go. Um, second half of the show. One of the things I like is how accessible Annex is. You can ask us questions in many different ways. Yeah, no doubt about it. And people have been doing that now for a long time, uh, doing this show. And certainly we've come up with some new functionality for people that want to get a question onto the show and, and don't have time to call on a Saturday morning or whatever the case might be. So you can go to askannex.com and post a question. And when that happens and we think it's a broad enough question where a lot of listeners would be interested in the answer, we then bring it to the table on Saturday morning and ask those questions. So we'll take a call. Good morning. Hi, guys. I've been listening to your show for years. My wife and I are in our early 50s and have come to the place where we agree that we need a better plan as retirement is a little more than 10 years away. I've heard about the review, but what happens after that? I guess my question is this. What are the steps involved once I'm involved with your company? Well, that is an excellent question, Mark. And, you know, we do this on a daily basis. People come to see us, listeners of WTMJ. And when we go through this process, as this caller just did, we take in a bunch of information. We see what they have. And as everyone knows from listening to the show, we give people two deliverables. We give them a framework for a financial plan and a portfolio review, but this question is a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's what happens next, right? Once you have that review done, what are the next steps? So now I've had my portfolio examined, I've looked at what I own and why I own it, and we've made some decisions about that. So what becomes next, Dave? I mean, and, and it really is the process of becoming a client. That is right. And so, you know, obviously we go through a bunch of things. Uh, we have, there's obviously there's paperwork that we have to get done. And, you know, a lot of that is electronic these days. But once people come over, they want to know what happens. And so, therefore, if they have a statement from ABC Company and they have a bunch of holdings, we walk through every one of those holdings. And you ultimately have to make a decision. Are you going to hold what's in there? Are you going to sell it or are you going to going to buy something new? For example, we had a client that yeah, came in this week, and for example, they had a Fidelity uh, municipal bond fund, for example, and we might have liked the Vanguard municipal bond fund. So what we'll do in that instance is we'll just make it a proxy from one to the other, and we don't have to sell that fund. You know, that's a really important point because a lot of times you'll go to a financial firm, you know, a broker-dealer or an insurance guy, and they simply blow out everything that you've done as if every decision that you've made up until that date was a bad one right right so you know if you have and then you have to look at cost basis right and that's an important consideration is what did you pay for the security to begin with because if you're just gonna blow everything out in a non-qualified account in a trust account or an individual account you're gonna have tax ramifications to do that yeah I can tell you a funny story one one client came in and they were interviewing another firm and they came to us and, and they asked that question they said what are you going to do with my current securities and the guy said well we're just gonna sell them all because we don't own that stuff And the potential client said what about tax basis? The guy said, not my problem. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so Got they your, picked their stuff up yeah. and headed for the door. Yeah, firmly had his fiduciary hat on in that conversation. <laughs> exactly. See, yeah. So what in that case, you know, we go through every one of those positions, but talk to people about this transfer process. Yeah, it, it's, it's less complicated than people think. A lot of times people will come to us and say, geez, you know, it's going to be a lot of work to have to go back and get all these securities, and now you want to move them to either Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, it's not. So some years ago, they, the, our industry established something called the Automated Customer Account Transfer System, or ACATS. So you'll hear that phrase from time to time, ACATS. 
And what it is is it's an intermediary. It's a third-party intermediary. So if your mutual funds are at broker-dealer X and you want to move them to an independent custodian that we work with, we simply invoke the ACAT system. It's a swing of the pen. And you sign your name to the ACAT paperwork. You don't have to call the company. You don't have to go back to your HR person if it's a 401K. We simply do it for you. And we do it every day. We do it extremely well. We do it extremely efficiently. In every case, when we're doing in-kind transfers, in other, in other words, we're moving just the shares, we don't liquidate them and transfer. We move the shares. It's not a taxable event to do that. And that is really an important point because when the, when the stuff moves over, we then, as they move over in-kind, we find out what the cost basis is before we make a decision if we're going to sell something, an important piece. And the other piece that we've worked out with our independent custodians because of the size of Annex is we've created a free trading window. So when a new customer comes over, those positions that we do have to sell, we can sell them at no cost. And it's a real cost savings for our clients. So no transaction fees. Well, and you've done a nice job with some of the other custodians. It wasn't just the no transaction costs on some of these transactions. You've also uh, eliminated another, a number of the nuisance fees well, as well. Well, it was because it's something that really, you know, you're a product of your experiences. And some of the broker-dealers and companies that I've been working with in the past I mean, we'd get this $75 charge or this inactivity fee for 125 bucks, or check writing, check writing for yeah. 12 bucks, or a wire transfer. Fee. And I was like, this is enough. So when we, you know, when Annex was setting these relationships up, we negotiated that out for the benefit of our clients up front. So we don't have these inactivity fees or annual holding fees or custodian fees or all what we call these nuisance fees. So if we can keep the trading costs down, that boosts the performance of the account over a period of time. And by the way, this is just the start of the things that we do once they come over. Okay, um, there's a lot, and we need to continue the conversation. We're going to take a break. It's Money Talk Annex Wealth Management for Saturday. It is April 28th. Here's our final segment for Saturday, April 28th. My name is Danny Clayton. There's Mark Oswald, Dave Spano. Guys, we're talking about the uh, the presentation of plan based on that, that voicemail that we got. And I can just tell you from my experience, when, when I saw the plan for my dad, it was it was very much like you said, Mark, where it's like, listen, everything that he did before didn't get thrown out. I would say that what he saw in the plan, his plan, was extreme efficiencies. And the, the most amazing thing, and again, I'm not a good fixed income guy, but Deanne said, okay, Oli, here's where your fixed income is. We like this, this, and this, and she's pointing. Right. This and this, we think should go over here and it made total sense and it turns out now six to eight months later it was totally the right call well you know one of the things we we talk about is these reviews and then what comes out of it it was a great call but you know we we use words on the air every weekend and throughout the week and we talk a lot about asset allocation asset allocation asset allocation so dave i think maybe just getting into that a little bit about you know when you say about this fits over here you're talking about asset placement and that can have an effect on your taxes and the way things operate in terms of things that are taxed as ordinary income versus dividends versus capital gains. Yeah, excellent point. So, you know, most people don't realize that. And when we go through those presentations, dividends from uh, qualified dividends from stocks are 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 taxed at a different bracket. For example, lower. the lower bracket, a lower bracket. So they get taxed at a situation that is equal to capital gains. For example, if you're in a, a 0% bracket, and most people don't realize there is one, there's a 0% yeah. capital gains bracket. And then you go move up to 15 and then up to 20%. That is a different tax structure than, say, income coming from bonds, which can be taxed at ordinary income. So, for example, let's assume that you're in the top tax bracket. The top, top tax bracket all in plus the Medicare tax is around 40%. 
Well, that's twice as much as 20% plus the 3.8. So people say, where should I put that? Well, where you're getting ordinary income, you want to put that in a tax-deferred vehicle instead of taking it directly. So we'll move assets around and put some of those assets in what are called non-qualified or you know the joint account between uh, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, or you put it in a, in a tax-deferred vehicle, and that money then accumulates tax-deferred, and you don't get a 1099. So let's use Danny's dad as an example here, and we didn't do this in his portfolio. Certainly we protect his privacy, but let's say that he had a certain amount of stocks in his portfolio and a certain amount of bonds in his portfolio. We could take the bonds that spin off ordinary income in terms of interest and put those into a qualified account, an IRA or a Roth IRA or something else that enjoys tax deferral, and take the small amount of stocks and put it into the non-qualified account because the capital gains that are spun off from that or the dividends that come off the co the stocks that are in the stock portfolio are taxed at a favorable rate to, to the investor in that case. Yep, and we, and we do that all day long. You know, one of the, I do want to change uh, gears just a bit. You know, a lot of the questions that we're getting besides these these what we're talking about here is the length of the duration of this of this bull run. Now, this thing started in March of 2009, and here we are in April of 2018. So they measure them by quarters, Danny, and so here we are in about the 36th quarter. Uh, the longest duration bull market that we've had is 42. So this is now the second longest bull market that we have. And we anticipate that this could be the longest one. And one of the reasons why we think that is because when you look at the last bull markets, they measure them by the growth of GDP. And we'll get into a GDP report in a minute. But the GDP report, you, you know, you add them up. So it's 2%, 3%. Over that term, you have uh, the average of a bull market is a 23% cumulative. What does that really mean? 3% in one quarter, I mean, one year, 4% the next year, and so on. You add that up, and that's 23%. The longest, the longest bull market that we've had, that GDP gross was 40 to 50%. And, Mark, do you know where we are right now? Uh, about 15%. 15%. So the longest recovery was 40 to 50% of cumulative GDP, and that was 42, 42 quarters. And we're at 36 quarters, but only 15%. You'd say we have a long ways to go because the recovery has been muted. And, and you look at it, and when you look at this on a graph, and it's really difficult to do on the radio, but if you just look at the pitch, if you just thought about a hill, right, and you looked at the length of the hill and the steepness of the hill, what we're getting to is that even though this has been a long bull market, the pitch of the hill hasn't been that high. When you look at other recoveries, you get more of a V-shape. You get a down and then a straight back up. This has been so much more muted, as Dave just said, and so the length of it has not been strenuous. It hasn't been that we've exceeded the growth has gotten out of control that we expect that it's going to come back. And these are the things that we talk about a lot, and we have a couple of upcoming events uh, if you want to share that. Yeah, the Retirement roadmaps coming up, and uh, it's our most popular, most well-attended. Lake Country, May 9th, 6 o'clock. That's at our Delfield office on 83 and 94. Um, and then June 7th at Butamore Country Club in Appleton. Retirement roadmap, a lot of great conversations about forever decisions, pensions, Social Security, Social Security for your spouse, when do you start to access your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, your qualified accounts, your non-qualified accounts? All those things are important decisions, lifetime decisions in a lot of cases. It's a workshop. It's interactive. Seating is limited. It's free, open to the public. You don't have to be an Annex client to attend. Again, May 9th, Lake Country, June 7th, 
Beautymore Country Club. They will fill up. Go to the events tab this morning and get yourself signed up. We'd love to see you. Dave, uh, you've got uh, about 60 seconds. I couldn't figure out if yesterday's Q1 GDP was celebrated or not. It, it beat the expectation, but it seemed that the headlines didn't think it was such a great thing. Well, it's still because it's 2.3%. We right. expected 2%. It certainly beat what we expected, but 2.3% is not what they call takeoff speed. Okay. So we're not there yet. We, you know, we'd like to see numbers that have 3 and 4% as GDP, 2% is muted. I'd hate to t- I hate to tell you, but that is the expectation through this year and next year and the year after that. That's what the Fed is suggesting, suggesting that we're going to get, about a 2% GDP. That is not great, and it's not takeoff speed, but it's certainly not a recession. Gotcha. Okay, and uh, earnings week or earnings season continues another week next week. So. Yeah, we had about one-third of the companies this week. There's still some uh, news to come on earnings, so keep your eyes open. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Uh, sign up for the Axiom, which is the free weekly newsletter, and also that free portfolio analysis. And when you stop in the Elm Grove office, find me. I'd love to meet you. All right. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.